0: Transfer news.
1: Unlikely.
0: I, hey, that's not what I wrote.
1: I don't really care. We're going with it now.
0: All right, soccer Today new bracket America. Soccer new America. America. Featuring talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 91 of Soccer Noob Rocket America featuring Person Noob. I am Soccer Noob, reasonably new to learning about soccer just the last couple of years. Joining me as always is my right-hand co-host and 10-year-old daughter, Person Noob. Hello. Hi, sweetheart. So what we're going to bring the good people is, amongst other things, 10 match mini previews from any and everywhere in the world. If it's a big tournament or sometimes even a not so big tournament, top flight leagues from any uh, you know country in the world, there's a game that's important where it's being played. There's a really good chance it's on our radar. And we explore some lower division American stuff as well. Per our name, we try our best to quote unquote, Rock America. Our week is going to run from Thursday to Friday here in mid June. But but before we jump in with match number one, I thought we'd do a little, you know, a little pre-chat. I think that's what they call it, or preamble in the uh, business, so to speak. And if there is one thing I have learned from interacting with people on Twitter and other places, is that they want to know all about and more about the life of who They'd much rather hear from you even sometimes than the soccer. So, what's going on? How's your life? Pretty good. That's cool. Was it perfect this week? No. No, what happened?
1: I got covid and I had to miss camp.
0: Yeah, that was too bad. How how long were you supposed to be at camp?
1: Um Four days.
0: Now, so did you get to go? Uh, so you didn't get to go to camp at all, correct?
1: Uh, I did get to go to camp for one day, but I left at like one in the morning.
0: Yeah, that's right. After just a few hours. Because what happened first?
1: Oh, dad. No, no. My granddad got it, and then I think he passed it to my dad, and then my dad got it, and then I got it.
0: Yeah, so before we even knew that you had it or before maybe who knows before you even had it, dad got it. So they had to pull you from camp. And then it turned out that mommy had it and then it turned out that you have it. So this is the uh this is the COVID episode, isn't it? Yeah. Is that going to make it more special than all the other episodes combined? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, you didn't get to go to camp, but we have had some fun this week, haven't we? Yeah. We tried to make it up to you a little bit. We've let you get some, uh, you know, uh, you know, special things to eat, take you out, you know, well, not out, out, but, you know, pick up or have, you know, drive through or have delivered things that you've wanted. And then uh, also we have a visitor here at the house, don't we?
1: noobstradamus
0: that's right uh that's right noobstradamus he's actually for real come uh to stay with us for a little while on a uh you know on a vacation i think he's going to be here for a couple three weeks or something at the very least and it's going to be awesome so what kind of things have we been doing with him what's one of your favorite things to do one of his favorite things to do
1: Play games
0: yeah what kind of games
1: Board games.
0: Yeah, tabletop board games. That's his specialty, and you love those too. So uh, we played Life the other day. And then he brought some uh, games that he's gotten from uh, conventions and other places. What kind of game? Did you guys play one kind of game or two kinds of game? I can't remember. Uh, we played two. Two? What was the first one?
1: Um, the Word on the Street.
0: Oh, that was the first one? Okay, I was thinking that was the second one because I joined you guys later on for that. And that's kind of a tug of war word game where it's like categories, but a little bit simpler, but a whole lot better where you're coming up with words, um, you know, that have different letters involved. And you pull the letters towards you across the street. And then the other person tries to answer their own questions with different letters in them. And you try to pull the letters all the way to you. And who won the first game between you two? I won it. You did? Okay. Did you guys play again and Mr. Dan won one? Mm -hmm. Okay, Mr. Dan, aka Noobstradamus, Dan the Interno Inferno, for those who are less familiar with our show. So you actually got to win. He was really, really impressed. I thought maybe you guys played two and he won one and you won one or something. What was the other game? I guess I'm not as familiar with what else you guys did.
1: Um, it was like a matching game where they where they put he put nine cards and they were all about and they were all different. Then you had to match them up. They so um so there were diamonds, squiggly lines, circles and and circles, and they were either and they were either filled in um like like little lines that are like filling in or not filled in. And um there's either one, two, or three. And you have to match three that are exactly the opposite. They either they're either they have to be red, purple, and green. Or, and green those mm-hmm. are the colors and they have and there's like certain things that you match
0: yeah different physical characteristics of the pictures. they have to either everything has to match or everything has to be different uh for three different aspects to pick up three cards it seemed very complicated daddy's sense of spatial reasoning is uh not particularly great that would be a very um uh, I don't want to say pointless because games are social and they're fun. But from a strictly competitive standpoint, I would finish in last every single time. Mm -hmm. I might make one match. And that's if you guys were like very, very kind to me. But soon we are going to be over our COVID quarantining. Mm -hmm. And uh, what kind of stuff do you think we should do then?
1: Uh, Go to a water park.
0: A water park sounds like lots of fun. And we could put up your pool in the back. We would have done that the last couple of days, but it's been storming, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. and then what did you show me on Minecraft that you've been doing today since you couldn't go to church camp?
1: I wanted to make a world record, so I made a potato farm beside my tiny house, my cow farm, my chief farm, and my village.
0: And it's more potatoes you are thinking, at least. Have you had your record verified? Do you know for sure that it's the biggest potato farm in the world?
1: Nope, but I'm going to make it. I have eight rows of – of I have um I have – eight rows that each have eight potatoes and I have a big fat row I have four of those <laughs> and then I have about half of that of those four rows On another one and I'm not even halfway done
0: My goodness So you have managed to keep yourself occupied This particular week Despite the fact that you had to miss camp I know uh, you were and have to some degree Been very sad over that Because that's been the big thing That you were looking forward to this summer But you'll still get to uh, go on a couple different trips Near and far to see grandparents And uh, who knows uh, Me and you and mommy might still take We might take an unplanned mini vacation do a weekend or part of a weekend so that you have a great little story to tell your friends that got to go to church camps and they'll have stories from there right mm-hmm. right so i am glad to know more about what's going on in your world even if i'm actually aware of most of it already okay. the listeners i know appreciate it because you have been called the muscle and the star of the show now let's get into the content part of the show the soccer we're going to do some men's and women's soccer on Friday night, and we're going to start off with match number one! We start on Friday, halfway through the season in Major League Soccer, and what other match? In a way, you hate to be cliche, but nothing else could come close to El Trafico, number one LAFC at West, taking on number four LA Galaxy. Uh, Here's how the table looks halfway through the season. Uh, LAFC lead Austin by two, and then they lead the Galaxy by nine. Now, the galaxy in fourth place it looks like they could be in safe position for the playoffs, but really they only lead number eight Minnesota United by three. So while there's a lot of uh, teams that would have to they would have to drop below. That's still not very many points, so this is a really key match for both. When they played earlier this season at the LA Galaxy's home turf, the home side won two to one. Overall in the series, the Galaxy have had, the best of it being the more veteran team in LAFC, not that far removed from their oh expansion years. The Galaxy have accrued a seven, five, and three record recently. They're gonna play this one on ESPN, the flagship at 10 PM Eastern Time here in the States talk about lafc first uh as is pretty usual for them they're excellent on offense they're tied for number one then one in that regard scoring almost two goals per match but this year they have been bringing the defense to do it and to keep up and it just keeps getting better and better right now they're tied for number one in the west on goals allowed giving up just over one per match now the best player that they had going, and he's on the assist leaderboard board for the entire league with six, is Carlos Vela. Their Mexican veteran forward, 33 years old, started out with Arsenal, got loaned out quite a bit. And then he settled in with Real Sociedad for six years. So that, of course, is your guy. With a real serious European resume, Uh, he played international ball from Mexico uh, up until 2018. Uh, He is fast and he is smart and he likes to attack with the ball, but not always to shoot. He is equally likely to want to link up. So he might be a little bit more renowned this year for the assists. But uh, believe me, this is a guy who could put it in the back of the net. Now, we don't want to ignore the defensive side of the ball for LAFC since that's something that they ignored for so long. Uh, Red hot for them has been Sebastian uh, Ibiaga from Nigeria, uh, their center back. Uh, He is uh, very accurate when he's passing, and he's a volume passer for his position. He really handles the ball Quite a bit, almost like a midfielder, and yet his tackling is at a very high percentage. He's starting to get more physical more often in that particular regard. And In fact, in a a recent game, he had three successful tackles in just one match. Uh, He came over here from NYCFC on a free transfer, oddly enough, after three years over there. A little bit of a surprise the weak link, the last couple of games at the time that I scouted things, I realized that one more game might've been played between when I scouted it. And when you're hearing this it has really been Kellen Acosta, a guy who has done time on the U S national team, their central midfielder. Now to say he's been the weak link is a little bit unfair to him because it. This really more shows just how strong the team has been. He's been 50-50 on his duels between on the ground and in the air the last couple of games. He's still dribbling well. His passing percentage, as you need from this uh, position, has been sensational. He's a little bit down on the stats just because uh, he hasn't done very much on the actual scoring and assisting. But those have really never been his strength. He's always been more useful as a distributor. Team's current form, uh, they just recently Had a no one loss at Vancouver And that snapped a four match Unbeaten streak, but And I had to double check this just a little bit ago To make absolutely sure Yes, their brand new international Acquisitions, Gareth Bale and uh, Giorgio uh, uh, Calini, uh, yes, they are Both eligible to uh, start Or come off the bench for this particular game A lot of things, people think they may not start But that we may see them in their Uh, Debuts This juggernaut, if those pieces can fit in at all They are just going to be unstoppable Anything can happen in the playoffs, as we know, single elimination But the regular season, they're already one of the two best in the entire country I think along with NYCFC And those two pieces could easily put them over the top The Galaxy looking to see if they can spoil their party for those two guys in particular that we just mentioned uh, It probably won't be scoring A ton now they get almost a one and a half A game that's not terrible but it's only uh, Really average for the Western Conference uh, they are Tied for number one on defense statistically Overall that's good for the number Five goal differential they pretty much are What they are at this point and that's a team that's Making it without super duper Big stars they're a little bit more of the budget Team uh, their best Player and on the league assist leaderboard also With six just like Carlos Vela is raheem edwards their canadian midfielder who uh was with lafc last year i believe he's also even had four uh, national team caps for canada although he hasn't appeared for them in a couple three years i don't believe and i also want to mention their uh top 10 goalkeeper in clean sheets just because the defense has been you know so good overall for them jonathan bond from england uh he came over from uh, west brom and he was uh it appears he was a a really little used if at all backup for 3 years over there but uh, he is you know this is a guy who was thought of very well for a time he competed for uh both Wales and England at the national team youth levels each a little bit red hot for this team defensive midfielder marco delgado another guy to look for in that third he's actually had a goal in each of his last two matches he has been 50-50 on his duels very good with his accurate long balls Overall passing has been good as well. And he plays on both sides of the formation. So he can start in either spot and move around quite a bit. This is going to be a guy that's very hard to start or rather stop. He's very easy to start, very hard to stop because he can play just about anywhere. Match number B. We've got another exciting Friday match to many preview for you. And we're going to stay here stateside for it. But head a little bit further down the American pyramid, all the way to sort of the unofficial fourth level, if you will, the National Premier Soccer League, NPSL. And we're going to look at a match out of the Golden Gate Division. Now, if you're a really brand new but burgeoning a footy fan, I know some people uh, because of the name soccer noob uh, that are in that position have been finding me. And hey, you're like me. Welcome. You're part of the audience that we're going for. If you're not familiar with this league, don't worry. I don't think they've played it the last two years because of the pandemic. This particular division has two teams that are going to go to the regional slash national playoffs. This is the last match of the season. We're going to take a look at number B in the table, El Farolito and they are taking on playing host to number three, Napa Valley, 1839. They are tied on points, and they each trail Sacramento gold by only one, uh, and both have a better goal differential than the Sacramento team. So if Sacramento falters, then... Obviously, one of the, these two teams will be a regular season winner. And in this setup of musical chairs for the playoffs, one of them is going to be out. And just so you know, Sacramento Gold hosts number four Academica in their last match. So they get it at home, but they're playing the toughest competition they can, other than obviously these two that are playing each other. And we'll start by talking about the home team first, El Farolito. Yeah, I love those. The little, uh, name for the little, uh, candles that you, uh, put in sand and then under a, Paper bag around Christmas time in the Mexican And a lot of American traditions as well Very cool They play out of San Francisco They'll be hosting this at the Boxer Stadium Which has a capacity of about 3,500 club was founded in 1985 They've got a little history They used to be known as CD Mexico And uh, in 1992-93 This was you know pre-MLS and everything uh, They won the U.S. Open Cup So even if the competition maybe wasn't quite as tough back then, that's still a really, really big deal. Uh, they played a long time in the SFSFL, that was the San Francisco League, and then they joined to the NPSL in 2018. Back in their old league, they won that one 11 different times. Uh, already, they have one title in the Golden Gate Conference. This year, they've got the number one offense going in their division, scoring almost four per match. Sensational. And then they're tied for second best on defense as well. Good for the overall number one goal differential. I believe that uh, this is the team that's going to win today here at home. The only question is going to be, will they get the regular season title or I think the second slot Going into the playoffs, I am sure that they would like that trophy. The guy who might get to host it first could be Eric Arias. He has 14 goals. He is the second, uh, le- he is the second best leading scorer nationally amongst all the NPSL teams. And there are a ton of divisions in this league all over the country. Uh, teams current form: they haven't lost since a back-to-back opening losses to start the season. In their last three matches, they have an absolutely cartoonish goal differential of 20 and three. I've got a little bit less about the Napa Valley team, but I'll give you what I've got. They were founded in just 2016, so very young. The next year, uh, they finished in fifth place, and that was the best they have ever uh, done in what then was an even bigger division than it is now. I want to say like 13 teams this year. Second best offense, scoring over three times per match on average. Number one defense, and defense does travel. So do not count Napa Valley out they've got the second-best gold differential in the division. Number five leading league scorer is theirs to boast of with 11. That is Dario uh, Pavon. He is a Spanish striker. And they have a 15-goal differential over their last five matches, which have all been wins. Match number three. We move on to Saturday, but we stay right here close to home. Once again, stateside for match number three. We head over to the equivalent league to the NPSL, the USL2, and specifically the Northwest Division. This is one that has six clubs in it. That's pretty typical for this particular league. There are three matches left in the season for most of the teams. They're only going to get one playoff spot, so this is a really critical one because these two are tied. We're talking about number one, Capital, they play out of Salem, Oregon, and they are hosting number B, Ballard, who I believe play out of Seattle or at least the greater, greater Seattle area. Again, they are tied on points at the table. Uh, Capital has the head-to-head advantage because they won nil-two on the road, and that is the first tiebreaker in this particular league. I believe they're ahead on goal differential as well, though. And that's all you're going to learn, at least from me, this particular time. Because as regulars will know, this is when we take a break from many previews proper to try to figure out how we're going to gamble on this. Make a little quid, and to do that, we cheat. We turn to our in-house prognosticator, 3,500-year-old wanderer of wisdom, Noob stradamus who is so often here to have a drug-aided or drug-addled vision, divine a score for us. What say you, O oh mighty soothsayer?
1: Greetings from Turner, Oregon. Mr. Noobstradamus has been blocked for ages on diving good results from his visions. Having no small amount of wisdom of my own, though a vacation would do him some good. Turner is just a few miles outside Salem, home of the Enchanted Forest. Not familiar? It's a local thing, but the amusement park has definitely grown over the years. Roger Tofty and family started it about 40 years ago with their fantasy land garden of folk art cement sculptures alice in wonderland fairy tales you get the idea now it has differently themed areas and rides and shows but without being too big excitement and relaxation for old damas
2: sorry i'm late
1: you love-
2: yeah i partook of lotus leaf Lots of the leaf.
1: Kids, don't do lotus leaf. Okay, that said, let's rock this mini vacay.
2: Psychedelic mushrooms.
1: Cement sculptures.
2: Ow, why didn't you warn me?
1: If you'd been here on time, you would have heard me talk about, no.
2: Don't fall Humpty, I'll save you.
1: Not falling, cement sculpture. Uh,
2: Cement sculpture, right. The map shows Ice Mountain Bobsled Roller Coaster. Let's go!
1: Covered cars. At least His Highness won't fall out.
2: This was a horrible error in judgment. The twists, the turns, ah!
1: Here comes the least unscary part, the bunny hop.
2: Ah!
1: The horror! Now that we've arrived at something that will hopefully invoke a little less panic in the key.
2: I asked you not to tell people that.
1: The other end of the already mild thrill ride spectrum here. The tiny Toons train. We'll get see Pinocchio's village.
2: His nose is growing, ah
1: the three little pigs area.
2: So much huffing and puffing on my chest.
1: And the need to move off ride is entirely absent. Seriously, huffing and puffing?
2: It was terrifying. The whole thing should come with a warning. I won't apologize.
1: Hell from the Jolly Roger Inn in the other, in the old European village area. We're sitting still and having salad and air conditioning comfort. Nothing scary here, right?
2: I got house salad instead of Caesar. Ah, just kidding. I ordered house.
1: You're hilarious. Here we can relax, rejuvenate, and meditate on the fantasy fountains. Light show about to begin.
2: Ah, uh, the what?
1: You've got to be kidding me.
2: The fear-inducing psychosis from the ever-changing pretty lights, over the locally composed soft music—it's too much, too much. Ah!
1: Get out from under the table. No. I mean, egg the black olives off your salad, then.
2: You're a harsh task, mistress.
1: Thanks for joining us on this highlight auditor tour of our visit to the Enchanted Forest Amusement Park of Greater Salem, Oregon. That was fun.
0: Uh, hey guys, did anybody bother to look for signs, divine, prognosticate a score, you know the whole reason we do this segment? Hoobstradamus? Daughter? Hello? Match match number four! And now we'll take a jaunt north of the border for our next Saturday action. We're going to take a look at a match out of the Premier League in Canada, which according to Kick Algorithms, at least, which is a site that I really like, uh, this is currently the number seven ranked league in all of CONCACAF. They're about halfway through their season. Uh, The top four teams are all going to make the playoffs, and the champions will get to go to the CONCACAF League, Reminder that that is a feeder tournament for the CONCACAF Champions League, the really, really big one. Your matchup is current second-place side, and surprising, at least to me, Atletico Ottawa taking on number one Cavalry FC. They are tied on points. High drama. Uh, Cavalry are ahead by eight on goal differential, and they have a match in hand, so advantage them. Uh, They lead Pacific FC by four points, and actually even Ottawa has a match in hand on them. So very slowly, these two are turning into – they're already your top two contenders, but they may even be able to get a little space as well. When the two played earlier this season, it was Ottawa coming out on top of a one-goal win. And uh, overall – and again, to my surprise, because I feel like Ottawa usually finishes fairly low in their young history in the table, but they've got a 4-0-1 record, I believe, against Calvary, uh, Cavalry. rather. First, we'll talk about Atletico. Ottawa and they are called that because they were founded in 2020 very directly by the ownership group of Atletico Madrid direct affiliate club last year they finished in eighth place like I said we're used to seeing them near the bottom this year the offense it's still not very good they're barely scoring over one goal for game uh well below average but their defense has been shored up very nicely they're tied for second best in that regard giving up exactly one goal per match is all. And that's got them uh, in line as the number four goal differential, which I believe is a really, really key metric. Now they're only at plus one, but this is a team I believe is going to stay in and make the playoffs. Uh, Helping that happen. Top 10 uh, league leading scorer with four, Ali Bassett out of Northern Ireland, uh, attacking midfielder. He's actually English born, but he repped for Northern Ireland at the youth level. So that's his official designation. He has spent most of his career in some of the lower divisions in England, uh, some teams that are uh, barely professional, if you will. Uh, tied for number four and assists in the league with three so far is Tabla. He is a winger, 23 years old, was a really big deal last year. I wonder if he wasn't one of the finalists for player of the year. I know he didn't win it. He came up with Montreal, and this is the guy who's been really thought well of for a while, very young in his career. He played two seasons for the Barcelona B-side. And then don't want to neglect the defense. They've got the number one goalkeeper in terms of clean sheets with six. That is Nathan Ingham. And uh, the team scored for Well, they have won two in a row. Hoping to put a stop to that. Cavalry, another young club founded in 2018. That's the case with a lot of these in this particular league, as it's only existed for a few years. They play out of Foothills County, which is the greater, greater Calgary area, if you will. It's adjacent to, uh, to the very Southwest edge of the greater Calgary area. Uh, last year they finished in second place and made the playoff semifinals this year. They have got the number one offense getting almost two goals per match. Defense has been pretty average, but overall they've got the second best goal differential. I believe they'll be able to get a result out of the young Ottawa team today, even though they haven't had a lot of success against them in the recent past. Uh, Just an interesting side note for this particular league, since I keep talking about uh, goal differential, uh, the best in the league is number four, Forge FC, who have been the best team in this league the last couple of years. They've been going to international play. So they're a little bit behind. They've got matches in hand on just about everybody, and sometimes two or even three. And then the third best team in terms of cold differential is number six, Valor FC. So things are really crazy there. And I expect a really tight race till the very end, particularly with Forge involved. Now back to Cavalry. Uh, they've won two league titles before in a way it was sort of one. Uh, their season in the CPL started out being uh, both a spring and a fall series. And in 2019, they won both of those uh, stages or seasons. Uh, That was their first year, though. They were ineligible, unfortunately, for international play. Uh, Number B league-leading scorer with six on the year. I am going to use the shortened version of his first name because the full version is something like 16 letters long. It's uh, Arabim Emmanuel Peppel from England forward, 19 years old. Uh, Family moved to Canada when he was just five years old. Uh, this is a guy who has been thought of internationally pretty well. He played for not one of the better La Liga teams, admittedly, but Getafe is in La Liga, and he played for their U19 youth team. Um, I almost wonder if he will be making an appearance in this game. I haven't caught anything in the last uh, 36 hours, but uh, last I looked when I, was, when I was really first scouting it, it looked like this guy was going to be headed to either Forest Green Rovers in League One or it looked like they were scooping in at the last moment with a bigger offer, uh, Town, of, I believe they're recently promoted, but regardless, they play the second division in England, the EFL Championship. So Peppel will not be with Cavill really long, but maybe they can get this one last match out of him. I mean, his move is imminent, imminent rather. <laughs> Teams current informed they are unbeaten in their last 11 across all competitions. Match number five. All right, we have waited long enough, even though it's still just Saturday. We're already on to match number five, and we're only now getting our first trophy match. We will stay in America, heading southward now, specifically to Puerto Rico for Liga Puerto Rico's playoff final. This is an amateur league, even though uh, Puerto Rico has had professional football before, and it is the top flight right now. I believe that the 2018-19 season was the only complete season they've ever had. They had one that was abbreviated, another that was canceled, obviously due to COVID. There are eight teams in it this year, and the top four made the playoffs. In the past, the winner has gone on to the Caribbean Club Shield, which of the two Caribbean sub-confederation tournaments within CONCACAF is the one for amateur teams. Everything is changing Uh, I believe starting next year, though, so I'm not really sure how many teams are going to get invited to international competition from there. It'll be at least one. Uh, This game is going to get hosted at the neutral site in Bayamon at Estadio Juan Ramon Lubriel. And that matchup is from the regular season, number one, Metropolitan, taking on contenders, number three, PR or Puerto Rico, Seoul. Earlier this season, when Metropolitan uh, went on the road, they won 0-2. And then when PR Sol got to host, they managed just a 1-1 draw. We'll talk about the hosts on paper first. Your higher seed out of San Juan, Metropolitan, a club that was founded in 2012. Uh, They finished in second place in both stages of the old PRSL in 2016, and then they won the title in 2018-19 for this league. So that's kind of the best that they've ever done in each of those two. Last year, uh, they got to go to international competition in the Caribbean and made the semifinals of the tournament and therefore got to move on to the CONCACAF League. And that was the first team out of Puerto Rico to ever compete in the CL. Unfortunately for them, they lost to Santa Lucia out of Guatemala right out of the gate. But hey, at least they got there, and that's a start. And by the way, they beat Bayamon for four by the title. So Bayamon would have gotten to actually host the title match had they uh, gotten that far. Uh, This year in the regular season, scoring three and a half goals and change per match. Uh, That was good for the number one offense. They also had a top three Defense, second-best overall goal differential. They have won nine straight, and in fact, their only loss was all the way back in early March. They are going to be tough to beat. Tough enough for Puerto Rico. soul out of Mayaguez. We shall see. Uh, that, by the way, is the uh, city they play out of. It is the eighth biggest in Puerto Rico at 75,000. It's on the west-central coast. This is an area that's really been beaten up by natural disasters. used to be a big... Uh, Tuna place and textile place and the economy has just taken a massive hit What has been helping keep them afloat a little bit has been the fact that this is a big university city So I saved 75,000, but uh, that might not be for the entire year There's a big floating population when it comes to Maya guests Figuratively, not literally, hopefully with those natural disasters The club, a very young one, founded in 2017 and then in 2018-19 when they started, they actually didn't get to play their matches at home. Kind of interesting. They had a con- They ended up with a contract with the uh, stadium on the absolute farthest part of the island that they get in the east, the uh, northeast part, a place called Fajardo was where they were playing. But now uh, they do get to play their, their home matches there in Maya. guess, although that's not where this one is. Very interesting note on the coaching front for them. Shek Borkowski, any MLS fans out there recognize him? Now, he founded lower division team uh, Indiana FC, but he is also known as the founder of Chicago Red Stars, the NWSL team that's currently uh, one of the uh, 10 or 12 in that particular league. This year, uh, the defense or offense for them, rather, I should say, uh, has been good if you just look at the number of goals, you know, a little bit over two per match, but that's actually below average for this league. They do have the second-best defense giving up just over one goal per match. They have the number four goal differential in the regular season. The team's form, they have won six straight. It is hard not to call Metropolitan your clear favorites, but when a team has won six in a row, you never want to discount them entirely. Well, at least the household podcast kitties sound healthy. No such thing as fiend line COVID, is there? And they are still very demanding of a recap of last week's matches, and we shall give it to them. Friday right, match number one last week was number six Angel City versus number two Portland Thorns out of the NWSL, and they played to a one-one draw. That dropped Portland to number three. A guy was said to look for for Portland Yasmin Ryan did in fact have an assist. Match number B from Kanaifa Women's World Cup originally was going to be four teams. One dropped out a while ago. We didn't know why. Of the three we talked about, one didn't end up making it because of visa issues. And that was uh, Matabe land out of western Tanzania. And so we were just left with the Women's World Cup in Kanaifa being Sámi, representing the Sámi people of very, very far northern Europe, uh, against Tibet, And it was their FA. They were playing this in India. And it was the Tibet's FA that hosted it. So the two of them played two matches. And to be perfectly honest, uh, me they very much were the better team. They won 1-13 and 0-9 over Tibet. But the point was that they got it played. And God bless them. Because this is a great organization giving all kinds of exposure to uh, stateless and underrepresented peoples. And from very small countries that just aren't or aren't able to be a part of FIFA 4 of a reason. Uh, Match number three from the NPSL, number one FC Columbus took on number B Muskegon Risers and wow, what a shootout, but they played to a 4-4 draw, so no change in the table there. Sunday, match number four, Major League Soccer right on the cusp of playoff-ness. Number six in the East New England took on number seven, Cincinnati. They played to a 2-2 draw that was good enough to move up Cincinnati to number five at the time, and man, we said to look forward there. Big star Luciano Acosta had an assist. Match number five, it was our first look this year at China's Super League, fairly early in their season. Number one, Wuhan Three Towns, newly promoted and starting to not quite run away with the league, but uh, they are definitely the team to beat. They were playing uh, number B Shanghai Shenhua. The result was a 4-2 win for a Wuhan three Towns. So quite frankly, it wasn't even that close. Shanghai got their goals late. A uh, player named Mark Howell had a hat trick. And uh, for Wuhan, uh, they uh, uh, also, Nikolay Stanshu had a goal. So their stars came out to play. That dropped Shanghai Shenhua all the way down to number four. Monday, match number six from CogCacast Kaka Women's Championship. The USA played host to Haiti. The Americans got a 3-0 win. Match number seven from Cameroon's Elite One. It was time for their playoff final. Number B, Coton Sport took on number one B, Edding. The B is standing for the groups that they came out of. But in any case, the traditional power of Coton Sport they were your champs. It went to 1-1 after regular and extra time, went to penalty kicks, and they won 3-2. Match number 8 was another trophy match from the Premier League of Jamaica, their playoff final. Between number 6, just barely squeaked in, Harborview, they got to play host, at least on paper, to number B from the regular season, Dunbeholden. beholden And even though Dunbeholden beholden won the regular season matches, or went 1-0-1, I should say, it was Harborview taking the title after a very average regular season they won 1-1 and then 6-5 on penalty kicks congratulations to our title winners and then much earlier in the qualifying rounds of defense Tuesday match number nine from UEFA's UEFA Champions League leg one of the home and away two-legged ties in the first qualifying round between Malmo from Sweden and Víkingur Reykjavik out of Iceland of course and Malmo hung on for a 3-2 win match number 10 from South America's Champions League, the Copa Libertadores, number six, Libertad, took on number 12, Atletico Paranaense out of Paraguay and Brazil, respectively. And they played two. A 1-1 draw here for the second leg. The first leg had gone uh, Paranaense's way, and so they advanced two to three on aggregate. Congratulations on them for advancing in the group stage. For Libertad, guy we said to look for, their veteran superstar, Roque Santa Cruz, had the goal. Uh Para Inse kept things from going to extra time or penalty kicks by getting the uh two-legged tie winning goal in the 90th minute. And now your bonus matches with explanations coming later. The route of the week was a Tuesday match from the USL's W League, the Deep South Division, with last place number six Peachtree M O B A playing most of number one South Georgia Tormenta FC and it was Tormenta getting the road win nil two. The most meaningless match in the world on Wednesday from United Women's Soccer another one of the women's lower divisions Penn New York division and that was number three Rochester Lancers taking on number four Berlin. It was no real surprise here that Rochester won in a row. There was already a big gap between them. They won 5-0. That actually moved them up in the second place in the division. They only get one playoff spot out of this division. They 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 are tied with Buffalo, I believe, the top team. And on points and are just behind by three or four on goal differential. Not so meaningless now, are they? And now your match, and finally your matchup disappointed it was another Wednesday match from Japan's J1 League, the top flight where the bottom two played each other. Last place number 18, Vissel Kobe. Play host to number 17, Shimizu S-Pulse. Kobe came out on top 2-1, to one, so they switched places and still remain collectively just as disappointing as they were before. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back into tracking the upcoming week's matches with
1: match number six.
0: This is probably the farthest we've gotten in an episode without racking up some serious frequent flyer miles, but now we do head across a pond and we're headed to Africa, specifically Cape Verde, for their football championship final. If you're not overly familiar with this country, it is not a part of mainland Africa. Uh, they are about 500 kilometers. Uh, Off the coast of Africa They're in the same uh, island macro region Basically as the Canary Islands Where they have some uh, Spanish teams And those are some of the most isolated teams Geographically that play in Europe So while this is a lot closer to Africa It's still quite a ways out there A really unique area Uh, The league has not been held Obviously once again due to COVID Since 2019 They are unranked in Africa Amongst all league associations Most league associations rank all their teams. Africa does not. They only rank about the top 32, 33, something like that, out of their uh, 40-some for some reason. This is a team that just hasn't had a lot of international play, to be honest. So it would be tough to know where to rank them. In the regular season for this league, the clubs were all divided up into three groups of four, and they just played a double round robin. So six matches each. The winners of each of the groups, plus the best number B finisher, all got to go to the playoffs. And this playoff final is going to be held in Estadio Municipal Arsenio Ramos in Boa Vista. Your matchup from Group C, your winners, Academica Do Mendelo, taking on number 1 from Group B, Palmyra. And yes, if you're catching a uh, some Portuguese-sounding stuff here, that is, of course, not a coincidence. This was... A Portuguese colony We'll talk about Mendelo first They play off of the island of Sal Vicente Which is one of the northern islands Part of the uh, Barlavento group of islands In the overall uh, archipelago uh, Mendelo is on the northern part of that island Has about 70,000 people And uh, they've had some uh, economic trouble in recent years But they are still considered the cultural capital of the country They're working very hard to uh, build it up again in that regard And they are affiliated with a Portuguese Division II team, by the way, Académica de Coimbra. So if you're a big Portuguese football fan, perhaps Mindelo is even already known to you. Uh, This team has won four league titles. They haven't won a national one since 1989. They have won 10 regional titles. Regional leagues for this country have been a lot bigger over the years than national, to be honest. Uh, Their rival, C.S. Mindelense, uh, from right there, has won a bunch of national titles in the last decade. So Mandela are really looking for their turn at long last. Uh, they won their particular group by two over Botafogo. They went three, two, and one. they the number one offense by a lot in this their particular groups, going over two goals per match. They were tied for worst on defense. Uh, I think everybody was fairly close together in that regard, though, if memory serves. And uh, as far as their current form, well, they haven't lost since their second match of the season. And now, uh, drop the S if you're a fan of the of the uh, Brazilian team. This is not Palmyra's. Palmyra, that play off the uh, in the city or village of Santa Maria on Sao or Salt Island. Uh, if this is familiar to you, perhaps you've even vacationed there or considered it. It's one of the three islands in the eastern part of the whole uh, archipelago Uh it's, where it's real famous for being touristy and having all the white sandy beaches. There are three islands over there that have them. And in fact, this area is easily the leader in tourism. They've got almost half the uh, hotel rooms of the country are right there in Santa Maria. Uh, that town is on the southern part of the island, and it's got maybe 7,000 people. As all as far as a permanent population. I'm not sure what this means, but I did read that they are semi-affiliated with Sporting Lisbon, one of the big three, of course, over in Portugal's top flight, uh, this team has won three Salt Island League titles. The most recent one was 2018. Don't think they've ever won a national title. They won their group this year by five over Académica Boa Vista. Uh, they had the number one offense by over twice as many as anybody else, and yet I don't think they scored as many goals as their opponents today. You know, from that particular group, they were pretty average on defense. I expect of a bit of a shootout for this one. Team's current form, 4-1-0 in their last five.
1: Match number seven.
0: Flip your calendar page to Sunday. Slide on over to the mainland there in Africa and get ready for some exciting women's football. It is the Women's AFCON. Yeah, the Confederation Championships for all the Nationals team on the women's side. They're playing in... Morocco. Uh, This is an event that I believe used to be held only once every four years. They now do it biennially. There are currently 12 teams in the final event. They've been divided into three groups of four. They play just a single round robin, so three matches each. The top two finishers and the best two third-place finishers will all move on to the knockout stage. Additionally, this event is a qualifier for the Women's World Cup. The teams that finish numbers one through four will all qualify for that next year. And then the next two ranked teams in the event results will still have a chance to make the women's world cup through inter confederation playoff matches. This is the third and final match day for this particular group stage, your matchup. This is a little bit of a weird one for us to be covering. Cause I don't expect it to be competitive, but I'll make it clear why we're covering it. Uh, Nigeria. They are playing host on paper anyway. They are in second place in their table, and that is in Group C. They are taking on last place, Burundi. Now, South Africa, Nigeria got a tough draw. South Africa, uh, they've already gotten two wins, and they are going to advance. The only question is whether they'll finish in first or second, and where you finish does matter in terms of where you're going to be placed in the brackets. Now, Nigeria are tied with Botswana on points, but they're ahead of them on goal differentials. So, What this means for Nigeria is if they can get any kind of result, they are going to advance. The reason I wanted to cover this match so badly is because after losing their first game, admittedly to very tough South Africa, they were, of course, looking in danger of not making it all or at least finishing in the top two. That would be a big deal because the Super Falcons of Nigeria, they're ranked number 39 in FIFA, and that is good for the number one position by far, in Africa's rankings, the CAF, they are your three-time event champions. They have won it 11 total times, and I think they have only held this event 13 times ever. So to say they're the dominant force is even still in undefeated. There is Nigeria, a monstrous gap, and then there is everybody else when it comes to women's uh, national team football down there. So just the idea that they wouldn't win this group or finish in the top two was absolutely insane to me. Uh, Worst they've ever done, in fact, was uh, fourth place in the entire event. Now, they have not been able to translate that, nor have any other African teams, into World Cup success. In 1999, they made the quarterfinals. They're the only African team that's ever even been that far. 2019, obviously, their most recent appearance. They did make the round of 16. Got an American connection on the coaching side. University of Pittsburgh head coach Randy Waldrum is also the head coach. Of this team, pretty interesting connection there. Uh, 2022 here in the group stage. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not in the group stage. 2022 overall in all competitions, including friendlies, Nigeria has gone 3-1-2. and two. Surprised to see the two in there, to be perfectly honest. For this group stage, they are now sitting at 1-0-1 with a 3-2 goal differential. They'll get. They should get plenty of goals against Burundi. The big issue was, again, that loss to South Africa, where they lost 1-2. They beat Botswana, by the way, uh, 2-0. We have some player USA connections as well. Uh, From the U.S., Michelle Alozi plays forward for them. She is California-born and plays for the Houston Dash, although I I gather she's a deep reserve. I think she's only made uh, like four appearances in season and a half, maybe. But she's got three national team caps already here, where she's clearly got some family lineage. We've also got another forward in Ifeoma Onumonu, another California-born gal. She plays for Gotham FC. She actually repped for the U.S. women's national team at the youth level and then obviously made a switch. And then she made just a handful of appearances starting last year for the Nigerian women's national team. And then they've also got a goalie in the NPSL and a college player who plays defense for them. But... The big player over overall, not a USA connection, their captain, 39-years-old defender that tells you where their focus is going to be, to me more than likely, is on the defensive side, and that is Onome Ebi, E-B-I. She plays for Wienwamp. It always looks. It looks like Gwengamp, Gwen but I'm pretty sure it's Wienwop over in France. Very strange name to me. One source I said that that's where she plays. Another one that I found says no, she's never been there, and that she plays for FC Minsk over in Belarus. So I don't know which it is. I have a feeling that she's moved on from one to the other. One of the sources was behind, but just wanted to throw that little asterisk out there. But at 39, as you might imagine, she has been a force on this national team forever. I think that this might be her 100 national team appearance. And now, hoping beyond hope that they can get a win, and maybe I think they would have to get a win to have any chance of being one of the number three finishers even, are the Swallows, Burundi, not quite as intimidating as the Falcons. They are ranked number 169 by FIFA. More than a little bit of a gap, more like a chasm. That puts them uh, even below average in Africa. They're ranked number 39. Obviously, that will go up quite a bit after this particular event since they made the finals. Congratulations to them just on getting this far. They're the lowest seeded team in the final event, actually. They are one of four teams that are making their women's AFCON debut. And like I said earlier, they get very little international competition. They have withdrawn from other FIFA-sanctioned events. Just were afraid they weren't going to be competitive. This might even be their first one, to be perfectly honest. They've scored three goals but given up seven. The problem really has been defense. If there weren't so many players that were looking like they were right in this range, I wouldn't believe it. But my primary source has this team dotted – With teenagers, and I don't mean 18 and 19 Year olds, I mean 15 and 16 years old, they've got a forward Named Gloris Gakiza Who is 14 years Old, I believe that you can catch These games, Uh, thank you to one Of the guys from uh, Brian and me, I wanted To say it was Thomas Costello on their fabulous podcast one that was gracious enough to host us a couple of weeks ago. So that a streaming service called Fanateaz, Fanatiz F-A-N-A-T-I-Z, uh, was going to be covering uh, some or all of the uh, games from this particular event. I can't wait to find, to watch and see if this is literally women against girls when these two uh, happen to be facing off. The goalie is 30 years old from everything I've seen, and no one else on the roster is even over 25. Uh, their 2022 form, they are 5 0 4. So while I don't think they compete in this particular match, they have really been an African women's team on the rise.
1: Match number eight.
0: No rest for the weary, even after a busy weekend like that. We have action on Monday from the Women's Championship of CONCACAF, where all the matches are being played in the greater Monterey, Mexico area. Uh, two groups of four, that's how many teams we have left and how they are divided. The top two from each of the groups will make the knockout stage. By the way, this is also a Women's World Cup qualifier, just like the African version. Uh, So the top two from each of the groups will also qualify to the Women's World Cup knockout stage. And the number threes will go on to intercontinental. Confederation playoff matches. I always get confused whether it's Continental Confederation. Uh, There's also some Olympic qualifying stuff on the line, but we'll talk about that another time. Uh, There's plenty of great matchups this week throughout this event, but USA Mexico is going to be uh, the big one. I believe USA have already mathematically qualified now for the world cup because Mexico have lost their last uh, their first two which is really surprising even against decent teams like Jamaica and Haiti. And because of that, but really mostly because this is just a traditional time of podcast where we do this, we are going to take a break from doing our traditional mini preview and use soccer as an excuse to learn about something else in the world, something cultural usually, and this time not food, that's our usual go to, but this time Music, so many regional types of music in Mexico Just like everywhere else in the world really But Mexico's special when it comes to that And one of my quirky favorites is Norteño music I'm sure you're familiar with it It's got the accordion and tends to be kind of fast usually Norteño, as you would imagine That's somewhat of a cognate for Northern So the music is most popular and originated in Northern Mexico And in kind of South and Southwest USA Um, It's usually the type of music that is done in duple or triple meter. So it's very fast. Usually the lyrics are socially relevant. You'll occasionally catch love songs. But if you're not sure if what you're hearing is Nortenio, if it's a gushy sentimental song, it's probably not Nortenio, interestingly. And uh, something I learned that was really surprising, I knew that it originated with a lot of, you know, You know different kinds of Mexican music, you know, from localities that have been brought together, but it's a combination of that and Austrian and Czech folk music, yeah, from over in Europe. The reason for that is that the Austrian Emperor Maximilian I was the one who really brought European music over to the New World, uh, specifically Mexico in uh, the mid-1800s. Now, when his empire was defeated, the soldiers all scattered, and a lot of them fled northward for the most part, and they took their musical traditions with them. So Nortinho kind of uh, got its start and started spreading by uh, combining local Mexican stuff with polkas and waltzes from over in Central and Eastern Europe, and then sounds like military brass bands, for example. That's where Norteño comes from. Your traditional instruments are very specific, at least the old school Norteño. It's an accordion and an instrument called bajo sexto, which is a 12-string guitar. Uh, Those are the only two primary instruments. Uh, The uh, bajo sexto is used as a bass instrument, if you're, uh, if you're ever seeing players that are more modern, you're more likely to see something that looks like a guitar. It's still called a bajo sexto, but it's not as low. You're seeing videos or just listening to old school Norteño music, that really low string instrument. It's the bajo sexto, but it's more shaped and held like a cello. Now, Norteño has a number of different subtypes, and one of the ones that I found is my favorite is the kind they dance to, like on boxes or wooden platforms. That's often called Quapango, it means on top of wood, and it refers to those Zapoteo dance steps that I talked about on the wooden platforms. Now, this can get performed a number of ways. Usually, Huapango is performed by a trio, and that is called Huasteco Huapango. Sometimes it's done by really great great big music musicians, and that's called Huapango al Mariachi. And it's not quite officially, if that's the right word, mariachi music, but it's much closer to that. When you have a size in between, and and this used to be more uh, traditional, uh, that's called the Conjunto, and that is also called Huapango Norteño. Now, Huango, uh, Huapango Norteño is done in an incredibly fast pace, usually in 6-8 time, and you can uh, pick it out specifically if you're hearing it, as you are now, by in addition to the two traditional instruments, they will also add an old-school double bass. So you've got the low string and a slightly higher, but still low string, uh, low sound coming from that uh, more guitar-shaped uh, instrument that we talked about before. And they will add in drums for percussion And saxophone. So, did you come here looking for stuff on Nortenio and his subgenres? Maybe, maybe not. But I hope you've enjoyed it. And you certainly know a little bit more than you did before.
1: Match number
0: nine. Once more across the ocean we go. And we're headed to Europe for a Tuesday match. Match number nine comes from UEFA's Champions League. We're in the the first qualifying round. This is the second leg of a two-legged tie. Last week... We sort of pretend like we were going to talk about leg number one from this exact match, but it was in our culture spot. We learned about the etymology of the Swedish city of Malmo. This time they're moving on to the second leg, and Vikinger Reykjavik get to play host to Malmo. Malmo won the first leg three to two. Uh, they took an early one-nil lead, and then things started to get very physical. Vikinger got four yellows issued between the 23rd and the 34th minute. And then Vikinger's uh, star Ingesen, Uh he scored in the 38th minute. I never did find out why. Couldn't find a good summary of the match, but he got his second yellow the very next minute. Hope he didn't like just take his jersey off in celebration or whatever and end up getting kicked off the field. Somehow I don't don't think it happened that way. But in any case, Reykjavik were able to get a late goal to make Malmo's win just 3-2. So we've got a very exciting second leg in store. Uh, We've been talking about them from when they were coming out of the preliminary round. We will do so again. Vikinger Reykjavik, of course, out of Iceland, where they play in the top flight called the Besta deild, and that is ranked just number 51 amongst all UEFA leagues. It's uh, pretty close to the bottom. Vikinger have won the league title six times. Uh, The version that they won last year was their first one in 20 years. Uh, 1992-93 was the only other time they've appeared in the Champions League. They went out of it right away. Uh, currently, they sit in second place in their league, Get an idea of how they're doing. Second best offense going, scoring over two goals per match, but just a very average defense. But things are pretty tight in that regard, statistically. They've got the second best overall goal differential. Still on the scoring leaderboard over there is the man we continue to talk about, Kristal Monty Ingison just 20 years old winger and uh, not sure how much longer they're going to get to enjoy his services. He has uh, been very heavily linked with a move to recently demoted out of the premier league, but still very good team for the championship level Norwich city. And I believe uh, when he came into this event, he only had two national team caps. So he is uh, pretty much tripled up on that since then team's current form. Well, their leg one loss in this two legged tie that snapped a six match win streak. And now the team that is a little bit newer to us, Malmö. They have won the league title over in Sweden 22 times, and they are the two-time defending champions. Uh, They had a really strong finish in what is now called the Champions League way back in 1978-79. So those were Halcyon days. I don't think they'll quite be able to get that far in return to them, but this is the team that could make a, a nice run. This is one of the best teams entering at the first qualifying round level. In fact, their top flight in Sweden, called the Allsvenskan Liga, is ranked number 23, so a little bit above average, quite frankly, in UEFA. Now, uh, last year they went from the first qualifying round all the way to the group stage, but there they went 0 1 5. Their only point that they earned was a 1 1 draw versus then at St. Petersburg out of Russia. You get a better idea of how they're doing now. We'll take a look at the Allsvenskan. Their offense has been borderline non-existent. They are tied for 10th in that particular regard. The defense has been better. Now, ordinarily, as far as how they rank, it's only number 6. But this is a team that's good in that regard, as a lot of the teams are there. They uh, give up less than a goal every match on average. Nevertheless, they're only tied for number 8 overall in goal differential. So while this team should still be your favorite being from such a stronger league than the Icelandic league, you know they are starting to show some wear and tear, it would seem. Uh, the best player they have going on their team, in my opinion, is their Danish central midfielder, Anders Christensen. He's got a goal and two assists on the year, not bad, but he's very good at tackling, and he creates lots of chances. Now, the team is not converting those into assists yet, but I would like to think with time that a team with this kind of experience will get there. This guy, he's made seven national team appearances uh, between 2012 and 2021. Not a regular starter at that level, but certainly means he ain't too shabby. We've got a USA connection over here. Anybody remember Romain Gall? He plays attacking uh, midfielder for them now. French-born, but his family moved to the U.S. when he was pretty young. He made one national team appearance in 2018. Team's current form, they are 5-0-1 recently across all competitions. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Person Noob starts every episode right ahead of our theme song by asking if there are any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight. A Nice Kiss Ace Freely uh, reference. I am going to follow that up here. Bookend the show more or less as far as the main 10 with, are you ready to rock? Well, more specifically, are you ready to go to The Rock? Gibraltar, yes, one of the microstates in Europe. That's going to be our last stop here in the main ten. This is a Thursday match from the Europa Conference League. That's the tertiary international club tournament over in Europe. Just like the Champions League, they are in the first qualifying round. This match is the second leg match of a two-legged home and away tie. Europa FC, they are getting to play host. That is your Gibraltarian team. That's the right demonym there. And they're playing host to, yeah, I picked it so that we could stay with more Vikings. Vikinger, but obviously this time it is not Vikinger Reykjavik because they're playing in the Champions League. This is Vikinger Guta out of the Faroe Islands. Yeah, the the Dutch territory that's autonomous now. They're in action. Now, uh, they won the first match. Vikinger did 1 0. And let's talk about them first, even though they're the visitors. This is a club that was founded in 2008. But it's really got much deeper roots than that. It's a merger of older clubs, G.I. Guta and uh, Leirvik, L-E-I-R-V-I-K. I think I'm getting that right. The two villages is very interesting, are connected by a two kilometer tunnel under a mountain. Yeah. Mountainous islands out there in the North Atlantic. Uh the team is officially based in uh, Lyarvik. I believe that's where their like offices are. Maybe their training ground, if they've got one. But their main ground, where they play, I know, is in the village of Guta. So the two really do share this between the two villages. It's only got a population of about sixteen hundred. This is one of the uh, th- this team is, I think, from the smallest single area remaining of any in international competition in Europe. Uh, this is all, uh, by the way, on the island of. I'm going to pronounce it Isteroy. I forgot to look that one up, but it's one of the north central northeast of the Faroe Islands out there in the ocean Northwest of Scotland. This team has won two league titles back to back. They were in 2016 and 17 internationally. They've had a little bit of uh, experience 2014, 15. In fact, they made the third qualifying round of the Europa league. That's actually a really deep run. Even in the second uh, the second tier international tournament I didn't realize until doing my notes That they had done that well uh, 2018-19 was their last international appearance They started in the Champions League Dropped all the way down to the ECL after a loss They went out of both of those right away that year This is the uh, their league, by the way The top flight is ranked to number 44 in UEFA That's Really good for uh, basically a borderline microstate Obviously, you know, Faroe Islands It's just not a very big country population-wise Yet they're ahead of Wales in the United Kingdom That ain't shabby Not that Wales is a world beater as far as league play But still, Uh, they won the first league As I mentioned before, 1-0 But to get a sense of really how they're doing on the year Let's look at their league season Currently the Faroe Island Premier League They sit in second place Or rather distant second place, to be honest A team called KI, which is really the more usual power, they're already up by six, and they're just going to run away with the league, I pretty much can guarantee you. Uh, Vikinger, they have the number one offense going, though, scoring over three goals per match, and then a top two defense that gives up less than one goal per match on average. They've got the number one league score by 50%. He's got 15. The second best guy only has 10, and that is Salvi Vattenhammer, forward veteran, 38 years old. He's never played anywhere else but the Faroe Islands for club play. He's been with this club since 2008. As you would imagine, this is not a professional, fully professional league. He's a construction guy for his other job. But that's despite the fact that, you know, apparently he didn't get a huge retirement size bonus for finishing as player of the year in this league in 2016. He's got 55 national team caps under his belt since 2013. Team's current form, they have won eight of their last nine across all competitions. That one that they did not win was a nil 0 draw that they managed at home against KI. And now Europa FC. They play in the Gibraltar National League, which is ranked number 49 in UEFA, a tiny bit higher than I would have guessed. Uh, The season for them has not started yet, the 2022-23 league season. They're going to start, you know, probably like a month from now. Uh, Last year, at the very least, we can look at those stats. Europa FC finished in second place, 11 points behind the traditional power Lincoln Red Imps. Uh, They had the second best offense in the league at two and a half per game, Uh, gave up just over a goal per match and they had the second-best scorer in the league with 12 goals in Antonio Pino out of Spain, as are uh, the vast majority of the players in the National League of Gibraltar. Bring forth the bonus matches! Thank you very much to everybody who votes week in and week out in our polls to help us determine what matches are going to be in the show for the bonus slots. You can participate by voting at uh, Twitter, Soccer Noob USA is my handle. I usually try to get those polls out roughly on Tuesday. You vote, matches get decided upon, dreamy content gets made. The first piece of that dreamy content is a first versus last place matchup we call the... Route, 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 route
1: of, 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 of the week, 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 week.
0: And you have voted from a Friday, for a Friday match from one of the lower divisions. We're back to the USL2 here in America. This time we're going to go to the Great Lakes division, another division that's got six clubs. They're playing 14 matches, so just a little bit over a double round robin. A little, little bit weird up there in the Great Lakes. Uh, each of the clubs has uh, three to four matches left, and three of the six teams are going to make the playoffs. I'm gathering this is a very strong division. Number one, Kalamazoo, they will be taking on number six in last place, Midwest United. Not a name I'm crazy about. We'll get into that. Uh, Kalamazoo, they are tied with Ann Arbor FC on points. Meanwhile, Midwest United, they trail number five, Lansing City by nine. Not that there's any relegation, but they are far and away the worst team. The two times that they have played already, Kalamazoo, uh, won 2-2 two, two, And then they won nil 2 on the road I said they won 2-2 two, two. Obviously that was a draw Regardless they've had the slight advantage on the year uh, Kalamazoo uh, That city by the way Is one of those I'm familiar with the name But I'd never looked at a map before for it specifically It's halfway between Detroit and Chicago I think about two hours drive from Easton The southwest part of that state Population about 75,000 Thought it was a little larger Clubs Fairly Young, founded in 2015. They played in the NPSL until last year, made the move over to USL too. Uh, Where do they play? Well, uh, this is indicative of a lot of teams for this level. They play at a field that is actually shared rental-wise with a Christian school and a Catholic high school as well. It's got a capacity of about 2,200. Uh, They are your defending division champions, and uh, they made the uh, conference uh, final last year. And that was their very first title, of course, when they won last year. And that was in either uh, league, actually. This year, they've got the uh, number four offense, uh, scoring just a little bit over one and a half per match. Their bread is buttered on defense, as they are the only team in the division giving up less than one goal per match. Good for the second-best overall goal differential. Their team scoring leader with five on the season is Matt Whalen, who plays forward. Team's current form Uh, They won two straight after an 0-3-2 stretch. So they were really in position early on to maybe run away with this division and then came back to earth fairly quickly before they found their feet again. And now Midwest United, a name that I just really, really hate because you look at that and you're like, until you look it up, you have no idea where they actually play out of. And I think that's pretty egotistical and grandiose, quite frankly, to just say, yeah, we decided that we don't just represent our area, but the entirety of the Midwest United States, even though we are a Division IV team. Get a better name, Midwest United. You'll look silly. Play play out of Grand Rapids. Uh, that's just a couple counties north of uh, where Kalamazoo is, area's most famous Uh, for being a big office furniture manufacturer city. They got five of the biggest ones in the world right there. Uh, This is the second biggest city in the state at 200,000. Greater Metro has a million people, though. Uh, They actually were Grand Rapids FC from 2014 to 21. So the Midwest United thing is fairly new. But the club dissolved, and then a different bunch got it back together, reformed it, needed to give it a new name, apparently, Hopefully, they'll go through a rebrand pretty quickly, to be perfectly honest. They appear to now be affiliated with the UWS, that's United Women's Soccer, a lower division team of the same name. Last year, they finished in fourth place in the division. That was their first year in USL 2. Before that, they were in the NPSL, and they won their division one time in 2016 in that league. This year, they've got the worst offense going. They're the only team in the division that's not even managing a goal per Uh, match woof Uh, they've got the fifth best defense so just a little bit below average well no they're worse than average and giving almost giving up almost two and a half and that's a good for the overall worst goal differential in the league I believe they've only got two players who have even managed to score multiple goals on the year that'd be Mason Sills and Theodore uh, May team's current form they have lost three straight but the match that they got a result in right before that was started was their 2-2 draw at Kalamazoo. So who knows? Maybe this is a team that they can score off of once again. We shall find out. Could, could you be the most meaningless, meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. could. You're it's so boring. <laughs> yeah. What other show Would dream to sing about and celebrate two teams from smack dab in the middle of their table, equally equidistant from the glory of international births and the woefulness that is the relegation or drop zone. Well, that'd be us, you know, the show you're listening to. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking about it. The most meaningless match of the world that you have voted for this week might be meaningless to you but oh i have been waiting for a long time to introduce this team even one of the two teams even though i was actually able to find out very little about them anyway it is a tuesday match from sudan's premier league sorry i'm just so excited they're about two-thirds of the way through the season there this is the number eight ranked league in all of africa by the way and it's a big league they've got 16 clubs On the front end, two teams will get to go to the Asian Champions League or African Champions League, sorry. One will go to the secondary tournament, the Confederation Cup. On the other end of things, two teams will be relegated. One will fight for their lives at the end of the year in a relegation playoff match. Two teams that will not have to worry about either end of that spectrum. Visiting number six. They were a little bit lower when I scouted the game a few days ago. Hilal el Fasher taking on number eight. Wad Nubawi, N-U-B-A-W-I, Nubawi. Yes, I'm going to be just that cheesy. It's got noob in the name. I've been waiting for it. There's two or three clubs in the world that I think could fill or sort of fill this gap in my life, and this is one of those. So this is officially a team noob favorite, Wad Nubawi. Now, all right, that said, uh, El Fasher won earlier this season where they played 3-1. Uh, give you an idea of how far out of things they are from both ends of the table. al uh, Fasher Trail, number three, Al-Hilal, Port Sudan by 12. And then Wad Nubawi, they lead number 13, al amal by six. We'll talk about my team first. Nubawi, who knows, maybe if we ever start making some money with this show, we could support them and patronize them, maybe even get the plush soccer ball that is our symbol on the shirts of a Premier League team. That'd be wonderful. I wonder what our show name would look like in Arabic. (laughs) Anyway, club is an old one founded in 1944. They play in Omdurman, which is a part of Khartoum. Uh, I'll describe the city of Khartoum. It's the big one in Sudan. It's at the confluence of the white and blue Nile rivers, and it creates this tripartite city situation. You've got Khartoum proper in one section, uh, North Khartoum in another one, and then Omdurman is uh, the third one. Overall, it's the biggest city in the country, about 5 million people. Uh, They were not in the league last year. Now, they've been around for a long time, and I'm pretty sure I'd seen their name before this year, back when I was doing the website three, four, five years ago. So this is a yo-yo team, perhaps at best, I would say. Uh, This year, they are where they are because of the number of draws. They are tied for having the most draws in the league at an astounding 11. Yeah, no wonder they're in the meaningless part of the table. The stats back it up. They're a little bit below average on offense, not even averaging quite a goal per match. It's a fairly low scoring league because their defense is only rated number six, a little bit better than average, but... They actually don't even allow a goal per match on average. It's good overall for the number six goal differential. So they might climb a little bit, but they're not going to threaten to go to Asian or international competition. Team's current form, they are 0-2-1 in their last three, and they have not managed to keep a clean sheet over that stretch. And now the bad guys for this show, since I'm a Wad Nubawi guy now, Hilal Al-Fasher, Al-Fasher, as opposed to Al-Fasher, is the capital of the state of North Dufar. Uh, the Dufar region, by the way, which I'm sure you're familiar with from the news from a while back, is, uh, you know, for the you know, genocide there, uh, is a region that's actually made up of five different states. Uh, this city is in the southwest part of the country, has about a half a million people. Uh, Fashir, by the way, means court. A, uh, a king or leader many, many moons ago, Uh, He had an itinerant court that often set up here, and that's why the club and town are named as they are. In fact, uh, by the way, if you're ever looking for any of this stuff online, don't be surprised if you don't find it by this name. Uh, You're just as likely to find it as All-Hill Education Sports Club. I'm guessing that they have a substantial youth academy. Last year, they finished in ninth place. This year, they are dead on average for offense and defense. That leaves their goal differential right there as well. Team's current form, they just finished a three-match road stretch where they went one, oh, and two. Uh, They won the last one, though. That all said about El Fasher, we are, of course, going to be cheer for the team that I am going to now be nicknaming the Fighting Sudanese Noobs. And now here we are at the true end of our podcast road, appropriately match number 13, because this is not one where we are celebrating good teams from anywhere in the world but quite the opposite. Welcome to the hellscape. That is the match of
2: disappointed.
0: And the Herculean scorn is exactly appropriate. You have voted for two last place teams out of Egypt's premier league. They will be facing off on Thursday. This is a very good league. Anyway, the Egyptian premier league ranked number two, I believe behind Morocco in all of Africa, No thanks to these egg-sucking, sad-sack clubs of putridity. Uh, They are last and second-to-last place here at the two-thirds mark of the season. Three teams are going to be relegated. These two will probably be dropping down, never to be heard from again, by the ears of civilized man. We are talking about number 17, Eastern Company SC, taking on number 18 last place, Misur Lel Makasa SC, heretofore simply known as Makasa. Uh, when they played earlier this season, appropriately for such disappointing teams, it went to a nil-nil draw at Mikasa's place. Uh, well, Mikasa doesn't have their own place. They still live with their parents, probably, but you get the idea. Uh, Mikasa trail Eastern Company by two in the table. And number 15, that's the first point of safety, <laughs> they won't get there, is Meili by six points. Now, uh, Eastern Company, we'll talk about them first, since we have to talk about anybody at all here. Yuck. They play out of Cairo, as do so many of the teams. They are named for a tobacco company, which I will try, uh, not try, rather, to pronounce the Arabic for. Eastern Company is good enough for us. Last year, they did finish in first place, good for them, in Division II. Got themselves promoted, first time ever. We know it's your first time up here, Eastern Company. But you represent a tobacco company, and quite frankly, you're crap in the bed. There's no excuses here. You still stink and you're still going to get the treatment and why not? You deserve it. The 14th best offense, not even scoring a goal per match, worst defense by lots, giving up almost two per match, worst goal differential. How are you even head of Macasa? I don't understand. Uh, The least crappy player on their team is Ahmed Amin. Uh, I'm going to pronounce it. A-O-U-F-A. When he gets on a better team, I'll actually bother looking it up. He's an attacker with three goals and one assist on the year. Good dribbler, good tackler Creates good chances uh, When he's moving through central space He's not real good at putting through crosses So his effectiveness has been a little limited In that regard, but speaking of Limited, the worst player for them of their Regular outfield starters on the year Easily, veteran who should know Better and should have hung up his cleats already Moved on to something else uh, Midfielder Ahmed Temsa just one goal and two Assists on the season, Uh Credit where it's due, he's a great tackler, but he's a poor passer, especially for playing in the midfield. I mean, 70% accuracy, I expect that out of a mediocre center back, not a midfielder of any kind. Uh, poor percentage uh, on dribbling and his shots. He doesn't do a lot of either to be perfectly honest. just not bringing anything to the table except for creaky bones. Team's current form, they are 1-0-3 in their last four, and that win was their only win in the last 12 matches. How, oh, how, Macasa, are you even worse than them? Somehow you have managed it. They play out of sound. I'm going to pronounce it as Fayum, F-A-I-Y-U-M, is how I'm seeing it Americanized or Latinized, I should say. They're about 60 miles southwest of Cairo. It's actually one of the oldest cities in the country. There's a big regional oasis there. So it's strategically over the course of history been a very important area in this region. Uh, They just don't matter where... You know, at all when it comes to football Got a little bit less than 4 million people there By the way, much bigger than I anticipated 2010-2011 Was the first time they got to play in the Premier League 2016-17 Not that far back They actually finished up as runners Up in the league Were they cheating? Because they certainly haven't been able to come close To replicating that Uh, They did get to go to the Champions League therefore And lost in the preliminary round uh, 2016, they also managed to get to the Confederation Cup, that secondary tournament I mentioned earlier. And they survived three rounds to get to the playoff round. That's almost the event proper. They almost mattered a little bit, but still disappointing. Last year, they finished in 13th place. This year, one of the worst offenses I have ever seen in a quality league in my entire life in brief years and following football at all. They don't even average a goal every other match on average, just stunningly terrible tied for number 14th on defense. So it's not like they're making up for it on the other end. And they got the second worst goal differential in the league, best player they have going. I hate to even use that word best or player, quite frankly, Um, Ahmed Sabaha. He's a defender with a goal on the year. Uh, he's really good on clearances uh, and, and racked up a number of interceptions as well. Uh, all he's really bringing uh, to the table, he's not a bad dribbler, but he's a really poor passer. Once he, you know, if he gets the ball in an interception, he better get rid of it right away or he just gives it right back. The worst player they had just think that's their best one the worst player on the team. I forgot to even write down his last name. I wrote down Mahmoud and I know he's not a singularly named guy like they have in like you know Brazil and for you know, and in Portugal but in any case he's an attacker 22 years old It's best we don't know his name quite frankly his parents have probably disowned him he might have had to change it one goal on the year no assists in 16 appearances that's an attacker. He's a dismal passer to boot, and he's lousy and dribbling, and he doesn't track much back on defense. I hope he's been giving Pack his paycheck, quite frankly. That's just astoundingly bad. The team's current form, they have lost two straight, and they are 0-1-3 in their last four. I have no problem doing what I usually do here. Sometimes we're a little bit nicer to these teams, and sometimes we're happy simply to shoo them away instead of wishing them good luck. In our usual fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. him away. Hey, boo. Boo. And Waldorf and Statler send us off as well. This has been episode 91 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Thank you so much this week in particular to... The management for all of his editing and production wizardry including taking out all of the coughing and perhaps sniffling that I was doing throughout the podcast. Uh, thank you very much to Dan the interno inferno for all of his creative efforts and inspirations to my daughter of course. Kisses for you. I can do this as we both have the COVID. Mwah! Thank you so much for doing this with me each and every week. I hope it continues to be super fun for you. I think it does. It's a great way for us to spend time together and and for you we love spending time with you there's a lot of soccer podcasts out there uh, we're a very strange but hopefully delightful one thank you for discovering us thank you for listening we hope you'll pass us on to your footy-minded friends don't forget that you can chat with us on Twitter at soccer New USA we are all positive all the time we're happy to take your opinions on anything soccer related you know constructive criticism or praise for the show but just know that when you talk to us on twitter that while we have our opinions on things we do not have negative hot takes you'll find it a really positive uh way it's a very positive account and a great way to uh chat with somebody about soccer that's what we pride ourselves on so again thank you and until we can do it again in a few days have yourselves a great footy week take care